truly believe that God has something for us today. I mean, last Sunday, I just, wow. Pastor brought an amazing word, but what impressed me afterwards wasn't just the word, but it was the church's response. It, it, it wasn't because some special altar call song was sang or anything like that, but you just had people all over this building just crying out to the Lord. And I truly believe that there were some burdens that were birthed in this place last Sunday. Last Sunday was a confirmation of what God had been dealing with me about and the word that I have for today, and I'm excited for that. And then th- this past Wednesday, we got back to our Connect classes, and I can honestly say those are some of my favorite services. Because I love when God's people come together and they discuss and they talk and they, and they share ideas. And I, lo- I love a good Bible study. I never want to get away from Bible study. But there's just something special that happens when you meet in small groups. It's a different level of conversation that you can have. You think you know someone, and then they start to open up and you feel a connection with them. I remember uh, Sister Eve. I had talked to her maybe once or twice, and we got into a book club, and man... Little did I know that my life was about to be changed forever. Because when you take time to listen to somebody, when you talk to them, you, you just don't assume things about them anymore. It, it changes the relationship that you have with them. And that's what I love about these Connect classes is we've seen so much growth in there. And I, I've asked several te- teachers to, to help me out. And some of them have never taught before and kind of got them out of their comfort zone. But you know what? They've done amazing. And it, it's cool to see how God uses that to to bless their ministry. And, and I've heard people talk in Connect classes that I didn't know could talk. And I've seen growth in you as well, and I think that that's amazing. There's so many different reasons why I love these Connect classes. And if you weren't a part of this last semester or you weren't here on Wednesday, uh, we do something a little bit different right now. We're, uh, we're digging into a, a couple series on discipleship now. And what it is is there's a six- to eight-minute video that we watch, and then we have a discussion There's some questions that are in the packet that we can go over. And Micah and Brother Hector have been doing a great job facilitating these last few sessions for me. And they could easily say, you know what, I'm going to go in there, I'm going to press play on the video, and then I've got this script of four questions to go through. But they don't do that. They spend time in prayer. They spend time digging into the Word. They've got a burden for, for these classes, and you can really see it as they teach. And last semester, we were talking about investing in others. And I got to be in, in Hector's class for that. And he had been doing a devotional to go along with the lesson. And so he brought in this, this word to, to kind of uh, go along with everything that we were already talking about. And he started reading this scripture. And as soon as he, he read it, my mind just kept going. It was going a mile a minute. I was taking down notes. And it never stopped because it had that instant impact on me. So I'm stealing Brother Hector's scripture tonight. And it's 1 Corinthians 9.22. It says, To the weak I became weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. And with God's help today, I just want to preach this thought. The some are worth it. The some are worth it. Lord, I want to thank you, God, for this opportunity, Lord, that I might be able to bring forth your word today. And I'm asking, Lord, that you might be able to to be in this room today, Lord, not let it be about the words that I use, Lord, but let it be about your spirit, Lord, that you might be able to give a confirmation through this word today, Lord, that you might be able to lead and direct us and, and empower us to change our world. We thank you for it in Jesus' name.
the summer worth it? It's been a thought that's been stuck in my head for about two to three months now. Let's go back up a few verses to verse number 19, and it says, For though I be free from all men, yet I have made myself a servant unto all, that I might gain the more. And Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, and he's telling them, Listen, I'm free to do whatever I want. I can make any choice that I want to make, but I choose to be a servant. I choose to humble myself. I choose to help others. So I might be able to reach someone. Verse 20 says, And unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without the law, as without the law, being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without the law. He's saying, I'm going to gain everybody. It doesn't matter what their background is. I'm going to reach them all. And the verse 22, to the weak, I became as weak that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men that I might by means save some. See, Paul found a way to connect to people. And it's easy to say, you know, well, reading that scripture, he says without the law, he was without the law. So that means I can go to the bars and I can drink as long as I'm witnessing to somebody because Paul said it's okay. No, that's, that, that's not what he meant right there. I love the message translation of those verses a little bit. It makes it a little bit easier to understand. It says, even though I'm free of the demands and expectations of everyone, he didn't let anyone else's expectations of him dictate what he did. I could preach a whole message on that right there. It doesn't matter what, what, what's expected of me by man. It matters what's expected of me by God. He says, that's the only thing that mattered to me. So I made myself a servant. I have voluntarily become a servant to any and in all in order to reach a wide range of people. I'm reaching the religious, the non-religious, the meticulous moralites, the loose living immoralites, the defeated, the demoralized, whoever. But I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ, but I entered their world and I tried to experience things from their point of view. What Paul was saying was I learned to have empathy. Because it's really easy to look at someone's situation and say, you know what, I know, I know everything I need to know because I know what struggle you're going through. He said it didn't matter what their background was. It didn't matter anything about them. I, I learned to care about people. And it wasn't just people that were like me. It was people that were far on the opposite side of me. I learned to care about people. I took time to see their struggles from their point of view. I love what Paul says in Romans 12. In Romans 12, 9, it says, don't just pretend to love others, but really love them. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good, love each other with genuine affection and delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope and be patient in trouble and keep on praying. You know what's stopping us from being effective soul winners? You know what's stopping us from going out there and truly being a witness to the lost? And I want you to brace yourself because this is something that not everyone's going to say and it's going to hurt your feelings and I think that's okay. But we only pretend to love the lost. You see, it's really easy to say, you know what, I love the lost and I want to see the lost saved, but am I spending time putting in the work that I need to reach them? We've allowed ourselves to become lazy. Lord, bring the lost to us. Lord, bring the lost to the agenda I've already got planned. Bring the lost to, but only bring the lost that are going to be ones that I want to reach, right? 
when reaching them gets to be tough, when you've gone and you've door knocked and you've knocked on a hundred doors and not one single person pretended to listen to what you say, it's, it's easy to say, you know what, this isn't worth it and give up. But Paul says we need to do the work. We need to not be lazy about it. We can't just pretend to, to love one another, but we've got to be patient and we've got to keep on praying. Because when you truly love someone, you invest in them. You get on their level. You do the messy thing. You, you get involved in their life. The definition of invested is to use, give, or to vote. Devote your time, your talent, whatever it is, for a purpose to achieve something. We've got to be devoted. We've got to be willing to devote our time for a purpose. Because it's easy for me to look at your struggle from afar and say, you know what, I'm praying for you. God can do something for you. I see your struggle. I'm acknowledging it, and I'm praying for it from a distance. And I believe that God can help your situation. That's the easy thing to do. But it's another thing to take some time out of your day and say, listen, what's going on? What are you struggling with? I I can see there's something heavy on you, and and I want to be able to be there for you. And sometimes that means just sitting back and listening. Because sometimes when it comes time to witness, we get so excited to tell someone about Jesus that we don't get to know who the person is that we're trying to witness to. we got to allow ourselves to be a little bit vulnerable, to share a little bit of our own testimony, our own struggles. Say, listen, man, I I see what you're going through, and I understand it because I've been there. I've struggled with the things that you struggle with. I might look all put together on the outside, but you know what? I've still got battles that I face every day. But my God is greater than my situation. We've had the privilege of starting back our prison ministry this year. And it was different because we hadn't been there in over a year. And we used to have a specific structure on how we did it. We would go in, we'd greet them, we'd have prayer, we'd have Sister Sandy sing a couple songs. I'd preach a, a message the best I could to try to get a hold of their hearts and lead them to God. And then I'd have an altar call. We'd, we'd have some snacks. We'd have a good time. And, and there's been a couple guys that have come out of that that I've kept in touch with. But I'm like, God, I have a burden for this, but I just don't see the fruit from it. And so I, I, I said, we're going to do it a little bit different this time. So the first time I went in there and, and we just got to know each guy as they walked in. Got to know their names. Got to talk to them a little bit. I preached a little bit, and I said, all right, guys, what, what is this that you truly want? Because right now, we've, I used to go once every six weeks. That was it. I get to go every other Sunday now. It's amazing. So I said, what do you guys want to do? And they said, we want to dig into the Word. We want Bible study. So we've had Bible study every week. And I've encouraged them to get involved and ask questions. And what I love is, is they're comfortable now. So it used to be they'd raise their hand, and they'd stop things. But now they'll just blurt out their questions in the middle of the teaching, and I love it. Like, hey, this is what I'm going through, and I can see how this is relating to what you're talking about. And, and it's been in this amazing time. We, we, we've truly got to know these gentlemen. We've had some pretty deep conversations. And, and don't get me wrong, I'm going to get back in there. I'm going to preach, and I'm going to preach hard. But I got to connect to these guys, and I'm building this relationship with them. And, and this last week is what really touched me. We were, we were finishing up eating snacks, and... Uh, and one of the guys in the front row, and he is covered in tattoos. He's bald. He's a young guy. And the first time we met him, me and my, my wife both said the same thing. We're like, man, we got a lot of good people in here. That guy kind of creeps me out just a little bit. Being honest. There's just something about him that I'm just not sure about. But everyone else in there I, I love and I'm, I'm excited about. 
And we're in the middle of just eating snacks. And he goes, hey, y'all are Pentecostal, right? We sure are. So that means you believe in the power of laying on of hands, right? You better believe it, man. My eyes got about as big as they could be. And I said, yes, we do. He says, I need you to pray over my mind. Because I need God to take authority over the thoughts that are going in my mind. And he got up there and, 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 and I laid my hands on him. And I began to pray with authority. And the next thing you know, we've got more gentlemen hopping in line. Hey, you, you know what? I want some of that too. And, and, and what was amazing was these guys got together and I said, it's not just me that does this, but it's praying on hands with each other. So they began to get in a circle and they, they prayed for each other and they began to call out each other's needs. I was like, thank you, God. And what I love about this was we had a first time guy there that night and he was in the front row. And originally when, when, when this gentleman raised his hand and said, I want you to pray for me, he said, yeah, me too. And then when I anointed him and I prayed with him and I spoke with authority, I said, do you want prayer too? He goes, nah, I'm good. He, he, he was a little terrified. But then afterwards, we're done with our snacks and he comes up to me and Sarah and he begins to talk to us about what's going on with his family and with his wife and he's getting ready to be released. And he's like, man, I'm struggling with these things. My wife's struggling with these things. I don't know what to do. And we sat back and we listened to him. And then we began to talk to him and say, you know what? This is what you're doing that's right. And this is what God's going to do to help you. And this is, this is everything because God's got, he's got authority over your situation. He's going to do amazing things. And wouldn't you know it right before we left, he says, you know what? Actually, could you, uh, could you lay your hands on me and pray for me too? It was when we began to talk to him about his struggles, when we began to connect to him, when, when he realized that it wasn't just this, this preacher man on the other side, but this is someone that, that's been through some life, that, 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 that understands where I'm coming from. When that happened, that's when the connection was made, and that's when we became effective in our ministry. You see, Paul took the time to learn what people needed. And the only way to know what people need is you've got to connect to them. You've got to get invested in their lives. That verse 22, it just sticks with me. I made all things to all men, that by all means, I might save some. Like, Paul, you just talked about the huge sacrifice you've made. If anyone's ever truly poured into somebody, you know what it means of your time and your resources and your emotional toll that it takes. And Paul, you're saying you do that to anyone that you can Knowing that not everyone's going to receive it. But you're able to save some. I've come here to tell somebody today, you feel like you're not effective in your ministry. You feel like you're not effective in what you're doing because it feels like the more and more you pour into people, it's just not happening. God is going to use what you're doing and he's going to save some. It might not be every single person that we come in contact with. But you know what? The some, they're worth it. The some are worth my investment. There's this gentleman by the name of Elon Musk, and he's got this small little startup company. A few of you might have heard of it before called Tesla. And he started investing in Tesla back in 2004. He had just sold his company, PayPal, another small little company you might have heard of, for $180 million. And he invested $6.5 million into Tesla. And over the next few years, Elon kept putting more and more of his own money into the company, before the company went public, he had invested $70 million of his own money. And you're thinking, $70 million, that's nothing to him. That's a third of his wealth he invested. We're talking about a significant investment into this. But here's the crazy part, because I'm sure you've seen 
Tesla's everywhere. You hear about them in the news. Tesla didn't make a profit until 2020. For 17 years, Elon invested more and more money into a company that was not making him richer. Actually, it was causing him to go broke. But he did it because he believed in his company. And there was a, back in 2014, there was a 60 Minutes interview with Elon, and they asked him, how did you figure you were going to start a a car company in America and be successful at it? There hasn't been a successful startup car company in America in decades. And I love his response. He said, I thought we'd fail. And the interviewer says, wait a minute, so... You thought they, you'd fail, but you invested all of this money and all of this resources into it. Why would you do that? Like, that, that doesn't make sense to me. And his response was, when something is important enough, you do it even if the odds aren't in your favor. How important are the souls of our friends and our family? How important are the souls of Kinderville? Are they important enough to invest in knowing that, you know what, it might take years of investing. It might take years. And you know what, it's going to take a toll on me, but you know what, it's going to be worth it. Important enough for me to give up one of my precious free nights listening to them, to to put aside my agenda and, and get involved in their lives. I'll be the first one to raise my hand and say, you know what, the summer worth it. Because I truly believe that the summer worth it. But I've also been there where I've spent time in prayer and I don't see an instant change. I've been there when I've when I've reached out my hand over and over again only to get it slapped. I've been there when I feel like I'm I'm doing all that I can, but but there's not any change. And, And it feels like everything I'm doing just isn't working. They're making poor decision after poor decision. You keep reaching out to that lost loved one. And it seems like the harder that you pray, the harder that they push you away. I've come to tell somebody today it's worth it. You might not see the payoff of your investment yet, but it's worth it. Keep on investing. The odds might not be in my favor. and the situation, it might not look good. But I'm going to keep investing because the sum are worth it. We've got to get intentional about soul winning. It, does, it, it doesn't just happen. A five-minute prayer at, at an altar call on a Sunday morning is not going to transform your world. But when you dedicate your time, your resources, when you make yourself vulnerable, listen, man, I understand that soul winning is hard, but we've got to make time because it doesn't happen just by chance. We've got to pray for the lost. That word last week, anguish. Just reading that word and hearing that word, I can feel the pain that that man had as he spoke with. We had an amazing service last time. And I spent the majority of my time focusing on two specific people. And I was praying and I was interceding on two specific people. And God spoke to me this week and he said, do you love the lost, Josh? I said, God, of course I love the lost. I've been praying for these people and I've been spending time on them. I've been making time for them. I'm doing all these things. And he says, no, but do you love the lost? Because I know you're praying for these two specific people. But do you have a burden for just them? Or do you want to have the burden that I have for you to reach more? I'm not saying that we stop praying for specific people, but we need to allow time to pray for the lost, for the people that we've never met, the the, the people that God has been dealing with, the people that God has been preparing for a harvest. 
He wants to put them in our path. But the problem is, is that we're so busy with our own agenda that we don't have time to stop and see what their needs are. We need to let the Holy Ghost lead us. If we're going to reach the lost, we've got to allow our agenda to get shaken up just a bit. We've got to get rid of fear and anxiety and say, you know what, God, whatever it takes. Sometimes that means changing up our lives a little bit, and sometimes that means changing up our, our lives completely. Back when I was growing up, if you wanted to get somebody saved, what you needed to do is you needed to, to invite them to church, but especially for a revival. Because if you brought them to church for a revival, then that's when they got the Holy Ghost, and that's when they got saved. Because my responsibility was just to bring them into the church, and it was pastor's responsibility to give them the Holy Ghost. Mel, you laugh, but how many of us are still stuck in that same mindset? Oh, I'm going to do whatever God wants me to do as long as it's during revival time or as long as they come to church. We've got to get, we've got to get where they are. One of our, our, our vision for the church is talking about going out and preaching the gospel, reaching people where they are. And you know what that means? That might mean that I have a prayer session in a Walmart parking lot. That might mean that I have someone come and sit down at my kitchen table and say, you know what, God, I don't know the words to give, but I'm going to trust that you're going to lead me and direct me and to give this Bible study. We need to change how we see soul winning because the sum are worth it. That's what Paul did in the apostles in the book of Acts. They let the Holy Ghost lead them. They didn't wait for people to show up. And I'm sorry, I can't get off this. Sometimes we spend so much time praying Lord, send the lost. Send the lost. We need to change our prayer to, Lord, lead me to the lost. Lead me to who it was. Paul didn't get up on a platform and say, you know what? God's got a message for you. And if you want to hear it, come back in three days. We're going to have service in this building right here. And that's when we're going to reveal to it. No, it was in the moment that he began to preach and to lead them. I love it says they, they didn't go into a city and say, you know what? Where's the wealthy people with jobs? Where's the people with ties? Where's the, the biblical scholars? Those are the ones we need to get a hold of. And that's, that's how we're going to make an impact. No, they went into a city and they said, where's the need? Who needs what I've got? Who's open to hear what I've got to give them today? We spend so much time trying to win people and, and, and to win them to the Lord based on who we think we should win. We need to let the Holy Ghost lead us to their needs and trust that God's going to do a work. We get so caught up in who I'm going to witness to. And let's be honest, when I talked about soul winning, every single one of you got two or three names in your head that you're like, that's the person that I'm going to reach. That's the person that that, that I'm going to get a hold of. And we focus all of our time on them. That's who I'm going to win. And I, I think that's great. We should have a burden, but we need to leave other time for God. But who do you have for me? God, who's hungry? Who's ready for this harvest, Lord? We can't get that tunnel vision. I love the Bible says that before uh, Paul and the apostles left, they didn't go out with this big agenda and say, this is how we're going to do things. But Acts 13, 2 says, And as they ministered to the Lord and they fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, then they sent them away. I must have read that wrong because it said that when they came out with the agenda and they came out with the what Saturday they were going to door knock, and that's when they picked out people. No, it says as they were fasting, as they were spending time with God, they allowed God to set their agenda. They allowed God to be the one to direct them. And they laid their hands on them, and they sent them away. 
And so they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia, and then for, and thence sailed unto Cyprus. They were preparing themselves for their mission field. They didn't know what it was yet, but they were spending that time in preparation. Sometimes we, we spend too much time on the how instead of the, the what and the why. Well, we're going to reach souls, but how? We're going to trust in God and let him lead us. He can lead me as long as I've got my, my agenda of how he's going to lead me. I need to know when the Holy Ghost is going to move upon me. I've got to make sure that I spend time the day before to pray. It sounds silly, but that's how we are, right? When we say, I, I, God, I, I want my agenda to be broken up. I've got to be in your spirit at all times so that when a need comes, I can say, go. I don't have to prepare myself, but I'm ready. They sacrificed. They put in the work. They prayed. They fasted. They let the Holy Ghost lead them to where the lost were. I truly believe that we're walking past people every single day that are ready to receive what God has for them. I truly believe it, that every single day we're so busy looking for where's the milk in this Walmart because it's not laid out the same as my Walmart, that we don't see a need. And the Holy Ghost is trying to, to nudge us, but I got my, my four-year-old son tugging on me, asking to watch Mickey Mouse on my phone instead. And I'm being preoccupied by that instead of listening to what God is trying to do in my life. Sometimes the one that God wants us to reach aren't the ones that we're looking for. I remember years ago, I was working with a girl and uh, she was going through a lot. She was going through a lot in her life. And the door opened and we invited her to church and she came for several, several months. She was baptized. And was this someone that I had prayed for, Lord, let me, let me reach her? No. She wasn't. In all honesty, she wasn't really somebody that I enjoyed spending a whole lot of time with at work, let alone if you said, that's the person you're going to spend time outside of work with. I would have said, I'm, I'm good. I've got, I've got other friends. But she was hungry. We need to stop making a checklist of God. This is who God wants to reach. And say, God, let the Holy Ghost lead us to those that are hungry. Listen, I know that we're busy in life. Something God spoke to me last Sunday when I was in that deep prayer. He asked me point blankly, when was the last time you made yourself available to someone in need? And I did what anyone else would do. I started off with the excuses, God, I've got two boys. I've got something planned almost every night this week. Lord, I'm doing things for you. I've got to prepare for this Bible, Bible club. I've got, to, I've got to prepare for my message. I've got all this stuff that I'm doing for you. Says, That's great, but when was the last time you truly let me lead you? I'm preaching to myself today. You want to see all the saints that I've won to the Lord this year? I made it real easy for you guys. I asked them, I said, I want you all to get together and sit in the same section. So when I, when I get to this point, you just raise your hand and you stand. They're all sitting right behind Brother Duffy. I'm preaching to myself here today, saints. We have to love the lost. Soul winning's not not easy. It's hard. But we've got to develop a burden for the lost. A love that says, you know what, God, this isn't convenient. God, I don't have time for it, but you know what? I'm going to make time for it. God, I'm, I'm going to do what I need to do to be able to reach someone because the sum are worth it. God, I know that, that I, I might step out in faith and I might witness to somebody and fall flat on my face, but you know what? That's okay. I'm going to do it again anyways because not everyone's going to receive what I have right now, but some are, and the sum are worth it. The biggest misconception was that Paul and the apostles would go into a city and soul winning was easy for them. They would walk into a city and people would, would flock to them. They, no, they had to fight for their cities. They spent time in prayer. 
They spent time fasting. They, they spent time seeking direction. Because soul winning is a battle. Acts 14 says that the same thing happened in, in Iconium. That Paul and Barnabas went to the Jewish synagogue. And they preached with such power that a great number of both Jews and Gentiles became believers. Some of the Jews, however, spurned God's message and poisoned the minds of the Gentiles against Paul and Barnabas. And as the apostles stayed there a long time, preaching boldly out of the grace of the Lord, the Lord proved their message was good by giving them power to do miraculous signs and wonders. But the people of the town were divided in their opinion about them. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. And then a mob of Gentiles and Jews, along with their leaders, decided to attack and stone them. And when the apostles heard of it, they fled to the region of Laconia, the towns of Lystra and Derbe, and the surrounding areas, and they preached the good news. Paul had specifically went to that place because God told him to go there. And he did the work that God called him to do. He did, and when God said, you know what, now it's time for you to go somewhere else, he didn't dig his, his heels in the ground and say, no, God, you called me here, and this is where I'm going to be at. I, I'm not moving. I'm going to stay here. And when he left that town, he didn't give up on that town, but he allowed the Holy Ghost to lead him. And I think some of us are just stuck in old mission fields that God has moved on from, but we're saying, no, this is where I'm at. These are the souls that I'm going to win. And God's saying, but there are people that are hungry. There are people that need me now, and I just need you to follow my voice. I need you to, to follow after me. A lot of times things get tougher than we think they should be, and we begin to doubt ourselves. God, did you really send me here because I, I, I'm saying what you told me to say. I'm doing what you're telling me to do, and I'm not seeing anything. I came, and I did what you asked me to do, and it wasn't effective. And that's what's in the back of our mind. I've seen it before where God has given someone a word to speak to someone, and they walk up to somebody in boldness, and they, they say, this is what the Lord has for you. And they expect that response of, praise the Lord, I'm excited. And there's just this blank look on their face. You're like, well, I'm not doing that again, because that, 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 that didn't go how I thought it would go. It might not have gotten the response we thought it should, but God had a purpose behind it. Yeah, there were people in, in that city that didn't like what was being done, and, and they were trying to come after Paul, and they were going to just stone him and come after him, but there were seeds that were planted there. There were souls that were saved because of his obedience. Paul didn't say, I'm preaching this message, and someone hates me and is trying to throw a rock at me, so this must not be where I'm supposed to be. He said, but you know what? There's someone here that needs to hear this, and the sum are worth it. You may look at past situations and say, God, I was obedient, but it turned into a failure. You have no idea what you could have started. Instead of standing still and waiting for, to see the fruit of our labor, we need to get up and go where the Holy Ghost leads us. Sometimes we're there for just a season. And sometimes we're there for a whole while, but sometimes he'll call you to witness somebody to plant a seed, and it's somebody else's job to go minister to him then. But what happens is we say, this is my seed. Get away from it. This is the person that I'm, because we're thinking with our mind of, well, I did what God told me to do, so I'm going to see it through to the finish. We need to be in tune with the Holy Ghost and say, you know what, God, if there's someone else that can finish the job, then let it be done, because I want to be where, exactly where you want me to be. I love Paul's response. They're talking about stoning him. They're literally trying to kill him as he's giving the word for, for just doing the miraculous. And what he says is, you know what? Let's move on to somewhere else. Let's find somebody else that, that needs to hear what we have. 
They didn't second-guess themselves and say, you know what? Are we really supposed to be out here preaching the word like we are? Because if we were supposed to be doing this, it would be easy, right? Soul winning is hard. Being in the will of God, doing what he wants you to do, you got to die out to this flesh. And you know what? Maybe your flesh isn't as stubborn as mine is, but mine's pretty darn stubborn. And it takes a whole lot of prayer to, to put it into submission, to let God speak to me to do what I need to do. But verse 8 says that they went to Lystra, and Paul and Barnabas came into a man with crippled feet. And he had been that way since birth, so he had never walked. He was sitting and listening as Paul preached, looking straight at him. Paul realized he had faith to be healed, and Paul said to him in a loud voice, Stand up. And the man jumped to his feet, and he started walking. I'm going to go on a rabbit trail for a minute here, and I apologize, but I think it's important. Listen, I'm thankful that God's doing the miraculous across the world. I love hearing about the revivals that are happening in in, in the Middle East and in Brazil and all these other places. But sometimes I wonder, why isn't it happening here? This past summer, my niece, Hannah, uh, from my wife's family, got to be a part of a crusade in Brazil. And they got to experience miracle after miracle. And she said, as soon as people would walk in the door with a need, they were healed. It was amazing. She said, I got to go up and pray with a woman that was blind and saw scales just fall off of her eyes. And she comes home full of faith, and she's telling Sarah all about it. And Sarah says, well, one of our friends, Kenny, in Memphis, he, uh, he's losing his sight. Why don't you go pray for him? And she says, well, it's different in Brazil because they're desperate for it. Their level of expectation is, is different. And at first, I want to be like, no, that's not. She's right. Because before the crusade, they prayed and they fasted, Lord, direct us to the people that need to hear your word. God, let us be used of you. They had a focus of what needed to be done. People are desperate for God to do something in their lives. And I'm not saying that she can't pray for Kenny and have his eyesight healed. I believe God is going to heal him and it's going to be amazing. But we got to let the Holy Ghost lead us. It's going to take people that are desperate for God to do a work. People that, that don't have a plan B. Because sometimes what happens is, is we hear someone has cancer and they say, ooh, well, that's where God wants to show up. That's how God's going to reveal himself to somebody is through that cancer. So, so we're going to pray and God's going to heal them and that's how it's going to happen. Maybe that's not the agenda that God has for them. Because maybe they're not desperate for the revelation of who God is. Maybe they've got plans B, C, and D and they're not ready for, for God to do something amazing in their life. Some people think, well, it would be nice, but you know what? I can handle this struggle. That missionary that came back here a few months ago said that God uses miracles to reveal himself to people. You want to see the miraculous in church again? You want to see things that we've never seen before? Start bringing in people that need a revelation of who God is. Because when we start bringing in the lost that have no idea, and God uses the miraculous to say, this is who I am, and this is what I can do in your life, that's an amazing thing. There's something special when somebody comes in addicted to drugs and and doesn't know what to do in their life and they come to church for the first time and God meets them here and they get delivered and they leave this place and people say, what happened? It's because of the miraculous. That's when revival starts is when they get to the place that they're so desperate for God. Are we desperate to see the lost saved? Or do we just think it would be nice if this church was full? This is to me today, two saints. This isn't easy to hear, but this is what the, I'm like, God, fill these seats. Great. Then go out there and let me do it. 
back to Paul in the book of Acts. They were going on doing God's work, and they had a purpose. They were going to share the gospel with that city, but the Holy Ghost stopped them and said, there's someone with a need. The Holy Ghost led them to this, this man that, that had an affliction in his life, and his life was changed forever because Paul said, you know what? I'm going to stop what I'm doing right now, and I'm going to focus on you. It doesn't matter the, the words that I have. That, that, no, what matters is your need. What matters is what God can do in your life. He allowed the Holy Ghost to interrupt his agenda. And while he's doing this work, the enemy's still trying to, to catch up and destroy Paul. Verse uh, 19 says that, Then some Jews arrived from Antioch and Iconium, and they won the crowds to their side. And they stoned Paul, and they dragged him out of town, thinking that he was dead. But as the believers gathered around him, he got up and he went back into town. And the next day, he left with Barnabas for Derby. Paul was stoned. They drug him out to the city, literally thinking that he, he had died. But he gets up and he keeps on working for the Lord. I'm talking to somebody today, somebody that God has used to do the miraculous. He's used you in great ways. You, you've been able to touch lives that no one else could have touched. You've been a light in your world, but the enemy keeps pushing against you and keeps attacking you from side to side. And he's thrown you down and he's knocked you down. He's beaten you and you feel like you've just been left for dead, forsaken by God. But I believe there's some believers in the house today that can gather around and say, you know what? God's got something for you to do still. It's okay. Come on. We got to get up. We got to get up, Paul. There's still souls to be reached. There's still something that God wants to do in your life today. I know that you're hurt, and I know that you feel like, you know what, I just need to take some time off and rest, and I'll be okay. Every day that we don't reach the lost, there are souls that are dying and going to hell. Think of that. When we get to that point where we think, you know what, that my best friend that I've been praying for, tomorrow morning, he's going to die in a car crash, and it's dependent on what happens today, on whether or not he goes to heaven or hell. You better believe I'm on my knees praying and interceding and saying, God, not another moment can go on. But when it comes to the loss of Kendallville, we look out and we see, oh, it was just another overdose. Just someone else addicted by drugs. Someone else that, that, that God didn't reach in time. The some are worth it. The people that are trying to destroy Paul, the people that are throwing the stones at him, trying to ruin what he's trying to do, there are people that didn't want change. They didn't want their lives to be disrupted. People that didn't have a burden for the lost. Well, that's not the way that we've done things in the past, Paul, so maybe you should just quiet yourself down and sit back in the back row and let someone else do it. You know what, they're teaching 13 Bible studies. Who do they think they are? They don't have a license from the UPCI. You're going to cancel Bible study for eight weeks so we can have a connect class. I'm not showing up if it ain't church. I don't want people in my church coming in here with purple hair. This is a place of holiness. I'm talking to somebody today. You need to put down stones and you need to pick up a burden. It might not look the way that we thought it was supposed to look. And it might not be the way that we want it to be. And we might not agree with everything that's going on. But you know what? Is a soul being reached? It's worth it. Change isn't easy. It's uncomfortable. But the some are worth it. We need to seek out the hungry, the needy, the ones desperate for a miracle. So why is soul winning so hard? It's because it's about relationships. And guess what? We're imperfect people. All of us are. 
Everyone has their own hurts and their wounds and pains that they're dealing with in life. And when we connect with somebody, when we reach out to them, we have to process what they're going through. And we take it on ourselves, but we also let them have a little bit of what we're going through. That's a vulnerable place to be. And hurting people, it's a saying, it says hurt people, right? People that are going through stuff, it says, Brother Josh, I've tried to reach out to him. I've tried to do all that I can, and, and it seems like they're just attacking me. Don't take it personal. If God has led, them to, led you to them, he's going to do a work. They need what the Lord has for them. Paul was literally stoned, got up, dusted himself off, and went to the next city. Because he had a burden for the lost. He had a calling that says, you know what? I can't just ignore this. I can't ignore what's going on in the world. I can't ignore the, the, the sin that's, that's rampant because if I ignore it, then more and more people are going to die. Some people look at me silly when I say that, that sin is sending people to hell. Duh. If it's so obvious, then, then why are we allowing it into our homes? Why are we allowing it into our families? Why are we allowing it into places it shouldn't be? Well, Brother Josh, it's not that big of a deal, and if I address it, it's only going to make things worse, so I'll tolerate it. We need to stop tolerating things that God has said no to. What's worse is sometimes we just pretend like we don't even see it. I mean, yeah, addiction's crazy, and addiction's bad, and we need to pray for those addicted. What about that cousin you got? Well, that's different, that he loves God, and he's got a good heart, and God knows where his heart is. Saints, I know it's hard to hear, but guess what? God knows where his heart is, and it's not in him. God wants to deliver him. God wants to do great things. But instead, what we've got is people making excuses for people's sin and saying, you know what? Well, my kid really loves the God, and it's okay for them not to come to church because, you know what? Wednesday nights are boring, and they'd rather be at home, and I'd rather them love God a little bit. Why are we tolerating these things in our lives? We need to address it. Because if I I just focus on something else, then it's just going to go away. It's not going to go away. Meth hasn't left Noble County because we've stopped talking about it. It didn't go away. There's still abuse. There's still struggles. There's still perversions in this city. And guess what? Just because we don't talk about them doesn't mean that they haven't gone away. There are spirits of addiction that have a hold on this community. And we can pretend like it's not that bad. And we can say, you know what? We'll look at the stats. It's increasing. It's not quicking enough. God needs to get a hold of this city. Every day that we say, you know what, it's progress and that's okay. Someone else that God wanted to reach is going to hell because we said, you know what, it's okay if it's a slow. No, we need to get in in the will of God in his vein now and say, Lord, who do you want me to reach, God? Lord, who is it that's ready for your word, God? Lord, if it's my friends, get a hold of their hearts, Lord. If it's my family, Lord, save them today, God. Lord, I want to invest in each and every person, God, because they're worth it today. The music wants to come on beginning to close. I wish we'd pick up a burden today and say, you know what? I might not be able to do it all on my own. I might not be able to reach everyone in this city, but I can reach some. Because the some are worth it. Because that some that we're talking about, that's someone's child. That's someone's parent. That's someone's best friend. And pretending like they're okay isn't going to save their souls. It's going to get messy. It's going to take our time. It's going to take a commitment from it, but it's going to be worth it. Can we all stand in this place today? You want to know how 